Um, if you would turn with me or scroll with me wherever you access the scriptures this morning to Acts chapter 9. Um, we're going to be reading a, uh, a story once again, as it is with the entire book of Acts. We read of characters, we read of scenes, but the Holy Spirit is the main character. And so it has been a thrill. We're not even halfway through this book, this account of these early activities of the apostles, and we are seeing some incredible things take place. And chapter 9 is of no exception, at least the first half. So um, I will read for us, if you'd like to follow along, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 20 or 21 or so. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asked in response, who are you, Lord? To which he heard, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So the men who were traveling with him led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he didn't eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, saying, Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many reports of this man and all the harm that he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said back to Ananias, go, this is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered, placing his hands on Saul. I love this. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up. He was baptized. 
He took some food, he regained his strength, and spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus was the Son of God, and all of those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? Among those who call on this name of Jesus, and hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners? And we'll stop there. Quite the story. Luke is our author of Acts, as well as the Gospel of Luke. And he follows up the story we read last week about the Ethiopian eunuch with one of the most profound conversion stories in our scriptures. Luke, as if to say something to the effect of, if you thought that was impossible to believe, wait until you hear this. The transformation of Saul, who would eventually be referred to as the more recognizable Paul, from violent Christian persecutor to the chosen instrument to share the gospel, is as dramatic of a conversion story as any, complete with a voice from heaven, visions, blindness, and restored sight. Like the rest of the Acts of the Apostles, the main character in this story is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being this slowly rotating in the light, multi-dimensional gemstone that projects a unique ray of light with each slight turn, doing something different with every move. And it's from the story we just read that I'd like to share an observation that will come to us in two different parts. The first part being this. God is profoundly intentional in God's personal interactions with creation. I am captivated by God's knowledge of each story, of each human, and God's intentionality displayed in speaking to and selecting Saul from among many persecution comrades. God selecting Ananias and telling him to go to a specific house on a specific street and ask for a specific person because that person is having a vision specifically about him showcases a divine level of awareness that far surpasses any data-driven technological GPS system. This is the creator of the universe. For those who are familiar with other narratives within the scriptures, however, this characteristic of God comes as no surprise. God speaks personally and directly to Noah and Abraham and Moses and countless others throughout the biblical narrative. And what we gather from those stories yields the second half of today's observation. God is profoundly intentional in God's personal interactions with creation, but always has a larger, more grand purpose and mission in mind for creation as a whole. 
From Noah's personal interaction with God, creation is restored and maintained. From Abraham's, Israel multiplies God's blessing throughout the nations. From Moses's, the freedom of God's people from the oppressive hand of Egypt. From Saul's, an entire ministry to the Gentiles. Saul, as Paul, would eventually say in one of his letters to Timothy, he has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. God indeed is reconciling the world to God's self, and we must remember that we too are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. But before we were called, we were saved into God's ministry of reconciliation. We needed saving, and in fact, we need saving. To think that you are blending into this world, going unseen by your Creator, is anything but true. God is reaching out to us and calling us in our homes, on our streets, in our cities. There is not a place, both physically and in life, where God cannot meet you. And it is in the same places where we are coming to a knowledge of God's salvation for us that God is sending us back out on mission to witness, calling us in our homes and sending us out into our homes, calling us on our streets and sending us back out onto our streets, calling us in our cities and sending us back out into our cities. Peoria, East Peoria, Tremont, Morton, Crevecore, Chicago, Galesburg, every place that you are starting with every place that you are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You matter to God. All others matter to God. All others must matter to us.